As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Tuesday, June 7th. Fantasy football really starting to knock on the door here. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston, we are knocking on your audio door to talk about the AFC South as we continue our run through the eight divisions. This is episode number five, I believe. So we uh, have uh, crossed over the halfway point and we will bring you the rest of these as we set ourselves up then for summer, really getting here, fantasy football prep, really getting here and us blowing out this athletic fantasy football podcast schedule coming to you at a more uh, heightened cadence once uh, that point gets here. But for now, we are just enjoying our trip through the divisions. Brandon Funston, what's up, man? How you doing? I am doing good, man. Yeah, we're hitting the uh, kind of the dry, dry spell of fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Things are pretty. So, we'll, yeah, we'll talk, you know, we'll talk about teams and try to, you know, bridge that gap until uh, things start to heat up in late July. Yeah, exactly. It's it's always there's always something to talk about in the fantasy football world, but this definitely is probably the slowest part. Unless you guys want to get into the Bears having their OTAs canceled because they broke some rules. You see that this morning? <laughs> That's going to really Bears. hurt their postseason chances. I can Bears see. Bears were really. hey, well, this is this is funny right here. So the Bears were found to have had uh, padded practices in May, which is not allowed. So they were forced to cancel their OTAs. And our own Kevin Fishbane, Bears beat reporter, pointed out that uh, this has happened. This happens pretty much every year to one team, and four of the last five teams that have done it have gone on to make the playoffs. I know Seattle did it one year, but like <laughs> so there you go. Maybe Seattle they know. was one that made it. Baltimore did it a couple of years ago. They were one that made it. So, hey, you know, Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus playing chess in Chicago already. <laughs> that, that's what you're trying to claim? <laughs> no, no, no. That's not at all what I'm trying. I'm, I'm having some laughs before uh, before I endure another 4-13 season. That's what I'm That's what I'm mostly going for. Uh, I mean, this. well, I mean, this is the type of year where everybody's BSOL and we should – are we going to talk about <laughs> Fat Fournette and maybe he should be in pads? And like, you know, uh, Talking about every single year showed up fat last year too. Like fat, he was like what yeah. ten pounds over last NFL, year and trimmed down N- in the summer. NFL player fat, extremely, extremely good athlete. It's good so shape, ridiculous. Fat. We go from everybody's <laughs> in the best shape ever to everybody's showing up fat and out of shape, and then we're going to go back to everybody's in the best shape ever, yep. and it's just oh my god. Oh, did, you see will, De- did you see DeAndre Swift? The photo of him. My god, he looked. He was looked he in good. shape or out of shape? Which one he was, was in it? shape? He was the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> he was the, he was anti Fournette. Look, I will did go have, ahead did he and have I will. Quads of Adonis, <laughs> yeah, of course. I will trade my level of shape and fitness for Leonard Fournette's sight unseen right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll do it. I will do it. He can be me, and I'll be I'll be Leonard Fournette at least in terms of uh, of shape and fitness and all of that. But no, we are not going to talk about uh, the NFC South. We are not going to talk about the NFC North. We are going to talk about the AFC South. And Jake, why don't you uh, why don't you pick the team we talk about first? Who do you want to talk about? AFC South. Mm. Any of the four. The Buccaneers. Uh, so let's talk Titans. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans. This is a team that I think has 
a big chance of falling off this year. A team that has won this division, a team that has been in the playoffs the last few seasons, I think has a real chance of falling off this year. From a fantasy perspective, the player who we are obviously most uh, interested in is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is going to go anywhere between, I'll pick two and pick five or six in your draft. We all know that for sure. But what's the risk meter here, Jake? I mean, if you're sitting in one of those spots, are you taking Derrick Henry? Where are you taking Derrick Henry? When are you saying, yes, Derrick Henry is my guy in the first round? I, I thought this was an easy cue up for you for the question because we're doing our mock for the magazine and in the sixth spot, who did I take? Derrick Henry. Henry. Why, this is why I picked the Titans. So there you go. See how that all comes full circle? Look, I have no problem taking Derrick Henry, honestly, third. If you want, I mean, you could yeah. honestly make the case for him second. Well, let's, do you have you have you have no problem taking him third, or would you take him third? I would honestly hesitate between Najee Harris and Derrick Henry at third. Mm-hmm. I'd probably lean Harris. I do believe his passing game workload is going to be sustainable, even with Trubisky or Pickett. I mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it necessarily quite as high as last year, but I probably I'd if going down my rankings. And my board, I would go Taylor, CMC, Harris, and then I would take him fourth. I would take Henry fourth, and I would still take him before wide receiver. I would take him before the other guys in the conversation like mm-hmm. Chubb and Cook Eckler. and Eckler and all the rest. And the risk, as you're talking about, is injuries. And that's all it really is at this point. But Eckler's injury history, Dalvin Cook injury history, people are okay with CMC. We had that discussion on that show being the number two pick. If you're okay with CMC, why are you not okay with Derrick Henry? Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry's workload, for everybody that's talking about like, yes, it's been concerning. But people forget that the first two years, it wasn't the 300-plus touches because he didn't come out the first two seasons with that. So, yes, it is one of the highest workloads over the past few seasons. And that's going to spell more opportunities for Injuries, especially when you're the size of Derrick Henry, your legs get easier to be taken out from underneath you and just that pounding he's going to take. But he's also a freak. We've talked about him for the past few years. He's a freak of nature. The dudes, he's not going to go down by a nagging injury. He's going to go down by somebody sideways taking out his knee again. So I'm not concerned because you're still talking about somebody who's going to be in the conversation of one of the few running backs to be approaching 400 touches and double digit touchdowns you basically lock it in for Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I have a whole lot to add. I think I'm right in that range with him. Maybe I'm a, a, you know, I'd take him a a pick a running back or two later, but I don't think there's a, you know, if you're looking, looking out for the career cliff for Derrick Henry, I don't think it's a, you know, it's impending and it's a precipitous drop. I can see this being a a slighter decline over the next two years, where you're getting just incremental little drops. But I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. You you mentioned Tennessee as far as as dropping uh, this year. They have a brutal schedule. I was I was looking mm-hmm. at it out, out of divisions. Buffalo. It's every AFC West team. It's Cincinnati. It's Green Bay. It's Dallas. And it's Philly. I mean, you get very few just easy games there. So. Mm-hmm. I think Giants, I guess. <laughs> the Giants. There's the Giants. I guess the only concern there would be if Tennessee's <laughs> offense really struggles to score, and they're in a lot of games where they have to throw the ball. So, uh, you know, the the chasing narrative um, is maybe a little bit of a concern. But I'm not really concerned about just a stark drop-off for Derrick Henry. Either of you guys interested in Hassan Haskins? Is anything more than a, as a Henry a handcuff? No, because he's too much. He's discount Derrick Henry. In yeah. my opinion, and that I just I didn't think he was going to be anything more than most teams. If you were looking at like let's say he was on the Colts in this division, where you have Taylor and then you have the pass catcher Naeem Hines, I saw Haskins as he's the third. He's the backup plan for the lead guy. The pass catcher would still be the pass catcher. There are some people that might feel a little bit differently about Haskins, but I just feel like that's Haskins. That's he's a timeshare piece and of course if Derrick Henry goes down i mean you're talking about potential workload that's really what's going to come down to but i think this would be kind of what we've seen from past or like just last year that it might not mm-hmm. be somebody until he like if he truly broke out but yeah i think i do echo again Funston was echoing what i'm saying and echo what Funston was saying mm-hmm. again it's just it's not a precipitous drop off he's going to be what 28 this august it's not an age and of course like i mentioned the first two years weren't heavy workloads mm-hmm. i think I wouldn't expect Derrick Henry to get hurt again unless it's a freak injury. It, it would just have you, to be like a bad tackle. Just a just a little trivia. Do you guys remember the early the running backs in the first two to three years of Derrick Henry's career that he split carries with? Deion Lewis. 
Dion Lewis is one of them. That's, there was, I was going to say. There was a main one. That's that the only one in the room. 2017, which I think was the second season. I was just curious because I was struggling to remember Dion Lewis's name. I was like, I know New uh, England little running back came everybody, over. Everybody was all over Dion Lewis, and that's why. Yeah. Dion uh, Lewis. Dion Lewis was, was, was after was that? after yeah there was a guy in Dion Lewis was the year where he like where Henry had like eight touchdowns in the last four games of the season right yeah give us and, a hint uh played for Dallas and oh DeMarco yes. Murray DeMarco yeah. Murray there you go <laughs> yeah I had totally kind of forgot oh my that, god but, yeah. I had completely forgotten about that chapter of DeMarco Murray's career yep I thought I thought he missed by a year I forgot that they overlapped wow yeah <laughs> Yeah, he had uh, yeah. Twenty seventeen, yes. he had one hundred eighty four carries to Henry's one hundred seventy six. So oh that my was God. like a straight platoon. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Well, no straight platoon here in this twenty twenty two season. Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, uh, has really turned his career around in Tennessee. He's been a great real life quarterback. He has been a good fantasy quarterback. He has been doing that largely based on efficiency and adding some, you know, rushing fun to his totals here. Funston, can he, I mean, I I worry about him in a post-AJ Brown world. I just worry about him not having an obvious go-to receiver, which he frankly doesn't have among Robert Woods and Traylon Burks. Yeah, I mean, there's going, like I said, there's potential for a lot of games in which Tannehill's going to have to throw the ball. A lot comes down to Derrick Henry being Derrick Henry because that sets up the passing game. Uh, you know, A.J. Brown, it was great after the catch, but the, the completions to A.J. Brown were, were always easy to make because you played off the, the play action there with, with Derrick Henry. So he has to continue to be the threat. The question is, is Robert Woods all the way back from an ACL, and is he going to be the number one? Is Traylon Burks this year's Jamar Chase and getting all kinds of negative press, but it's going to be all right He's in not. the long run? I I don't know <laughs> which way I'm going. I'm I'm leaning right now towards Robert Woods being, being the guy. Um but as long as Derrick Henry's doing Derrick Henry things, I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be fine. And assuming that Robert Woods is healthy, you know, I think that there's enough there to work with in the passing game. So for Tannehill himself, uh, I'm, I'm kind of always off Tannehill just because he's touchdown reliant. The efficiency mm-hmm. from two years ago, we saw it drop off from last year yep. quite a bit. And that was even almost independent of Derrick Henry. Like he was throwing for a lot of one touchdown games at the beginning of the year. I think he had a couple zeros mixed in there. So that's what it really comes to. I, I do agree. If Derrick Henry's on the field, it changes the entire offense. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. I think his only multi-touchdown games were with Derrick Henry. So I'm not saying he can't bounce back from it, but you're talking about two years in a row, about 37, 3,800 yards. So now it just comes down to he's going to run for two or three hundred. He's going to run for six, seven touchdowns, basically in that dimension of what Dak Prescott used to be a few years ago. So it just comes down to does he throw for 25 touchdowns or 30 touchdowns or 32 touchdowns? So he's fine. It's just not somebody I'm usually going to get because I either go if a running or a quarterback falls far enough, I'll take one of the elites. If it doesn't, I usually go for two upside, two guys that I could see finishing inside the top eight. And I know. He did it in 2020, but (laughs) the seven rushing touchdowns, I'd rather just double down and go for, like, you know, Jalen Hurts, as I love, as everybody knows, and that would just be my elite. But a Fields and a Lance, or a Hurts and a Lance, or a Hurts and a Trevor Lawrence. It's just, we know what Tannehill's going to do. We know what Kirk Cousins is going to do. That's why I just usually don't take those quarterbacks. Uh, Is it Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill? Derek Carr. Yeah, Tannehill was was QB 13 last year, and it wasn't a, you know, it was a, that it's like 15 is probably his floor, right? Like it's not always even. It's not always pretty, mm. but that's I also think, attrition the, of injuries. I, yeah, I, I, I know, but how many years could does, be lower than that? How many years does he have to do like QB one stuff? Not a lot of fancy points per game. It's he's kind of Kirk Cousins in that he's always QB one or just there, but we want to basically make him a back end top twenty quarterback in drafts. He was behind Kirk Cousins by almost. What was it? Almost two points per game last year. That's the thing that I would rather yeah. look at as points per game. The weird thing is, I he mean, he 50, has eighteen he rushing touchdowns for Tennessee in forty in his past forty-one <laughs> games in Tennessee. How much can you? Sure. How much can you, you reasonably continue? expect? Well, it's 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 basically four and eight games, or yeah, four and eight games. Yeah, right. Down the stretch, his first year, and then seven uh-huh. and seven. Four and seven because he played thirty-three the last two years. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving you an even better. Yeah, <laughs> so four and seven, and then then yeah, and then uh, what is it? Thirteen and thirty-three. Yeah. 
So sixteen, yeah, th- yeah, so thirty, thirteen. I mean, yeah. when when does it become bankable? So you just that just becomes a thing, yeah. He was fifteenth in points per game for what it's worth. He had fewer points per game than Jameis Winston last year, but he did have more than Derek Carr last year. He did have more than Derek Carr. Yeah, and don't give me Jameis Winston. Quarterbacks get credit for playing a whole season. That that <laughs> most of them do. If they don't, they don't get credit. <laughs> There you go. That's fair. That's fair enough. Uh, uh, what are we doing, Jake? What are you doing with Robert Woods and Traylon Burks? We heard a little bit from Funston. I mean, I, I like I, these are wide receiver threes, right? Yeah, it's a Robert Woods is just it's injury. It's just yeah. is he healthy? If you told me he's a hundred percent by day one, I'd still take Robert Woods over Traylon Burks. There, it's yeah. just re, Robert Woods is going back to being disrespected again. There was a time where that Buffalo stink, and then the not catching mm-hmm. touchdowns, and then he resurrected his career. With McVeigh and then Matthew Stafford for that brief time before he got hurt, and then now he's in a good spot if healthy. If not, Traylon Burks is walking into the Drake London in a situation where we're talking 120, 130, potential 140 targets. The talk about him being out of shape uh, just came out this morning while we're doing this podcast for about there June. What's today's date? Seventh. Seventh. Yep. Is is apparently he has asthma which I don't know how that didn't even get brought up throughout college unless I missed that somewhere. But uh, they're saying that's part of the reason he's been kind of winded in practices. So that's thankfully treatable. So hopefully not a condition there. But as a football player, as a side is, even as we've talked about when we did the rookies, I might not have him in tier one, but he was very high in tier two. And I just think a little bit raw than some people might expect to make that immediate transition. So if Woods is healthy, I'd say Traylon Burks is kind of more low-end wide receiver three. If Woods isn't, and it's Burks and Westbrook Aquina and all the rest, I can see Burks getting into the wide receiver two conversation, just the, the volume upside. Yeah, is there like I, I per, like AJ Brown's a special player, and this isn't just like a oh now there's a new wide receiver one in Tennessee. Give him AJ Brown minus you know like a five percent tax because not everyone is AJ Brown. I just I personally don't see a realistic path to a anything better than really a wide receiver three season for either of these guys. If if Woods is healthy, I see a two if for, for either. I see, I can see Woods being a two if healthy. And I can see Burks being a two if Woods isn't healthy. Woods isn't. <laughs> that being said, I would say like twenty to twenty-four. I'm not saying yeah, a two yeah. is in like thirteen to yeah. fifteen. It's a different look for sure for on this offense. Yeah. Where are you at on these guys, Funston? Before we move on, yeah, to I just team? think of 531 targets last year. It's probably a reasonable expectation uh, of how many times they'll throw the ball this year. And you know they uh-huh. don't throw to Derrick Henry. Austin uh-huh. Hooper is not going to turn into you know <laughs> he's not going to turn into Travis yeah. Kelsey. So it really is like. Even if you don't love these guys, they're probably getting, you know, into the the hundreds in targets, yeah. you know, and sure. and you can't just can't ignore that. We follow volume, so um, yeah. yeah, I'm still I'm with Jake. I I, w- I want to hear where Woods is at health wise. If he's all the way there, then I'm I'm going to be probably backing him a little bit above Traylon. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's get on to the Indianapolis Colts. My pick to win this division. I would like to hear if you guys agree with that, but I first want to hear about a Matt Ryan effect. And now last week we talked about there potentially being a Carson Wentz effect in Washington, and we all pretty much said, yeah, I mean, I guess, but whatever. It's going to be negligible most likely. I do not think that is true of Matt Ryan. I'm not saying you are going to be starting Matt Ryan as a fantasy quarterback, but this is a level of competency ceiling, floor, really everything we look for in a quarterback that this team just didn't have last year. 
I think that means great things for Michael Pittman. I think it could mean even good things and help Jonathan Taylor find another gear. And really, what much more could he do on top of what he did last season? Matt Ryan, probably a, like a, a consistent streamer in most one quarterback leagues, but his greatest effect, Jake, I think is going to be on the surrounding cast in Indianapolis and all of them getting a little bit better from where they were a season ago. Yeah, I I, kind of lean if I was doing money wise as the Colts also because I think their odds are a little bit more favorable because Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a two horse race in this division. It's just the Colts and the Titans, although I'm with Fonson. I don't think the Titans are going to completely fall by the wayside, but I could see this being one team 10 and seven and the other 11 and six type of situation. Uh, That being said with Matt Ryan, I do agree it's an upgrade, but I'm more on the negligible side for fantasy purposes. I'm for real life purposes. I think you're going to get a little bit more consistency, a little bit smarter play, but for fantasy purposes, what it comes down to is do the Colts switch their offense? Not completely like this is an overhaul, but do they come before become pass happy like the Falcons? Because is it just 570-ish attempts, 575, somewhere around there? Well, that's kind of what Matt Ryan just did last year. Or is it going to be the Matt Ryan range where we saw him doing 610, 620, 630 in 16 games? So 600-plus pass attempts, then yes, Michael Pittman, top 15. Uh, Alec Pierce, already mm-hmm. getting glowing reports. You know how I feel about Pierce. Immediately steps in as number two. You can see finishing as a wide receiver four in fantasy. Paris Campbell being a wide receiver five. Mo Ali Cox getting that condensed tight end share from three different tight ends, maybe bring it down to one, <laughs> one and a half. He becomes an interesting tight end piece. The flip side, why I don't, I do have some concerns is because I think they probably settle on a little bit more reasonable, maybe like a 580 to 600 pass attempts. And then Michael Pittman is still top 20. But mm-hmm. now, as you mentioned with the ancillary pieces, is what if it's Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell sharing and Mo Alley Cox sharing and Kyle Granson takes a Kyle Lynn Granson takes a step forward? Like, so you have share, 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 and it's just Taylor Pittman and Hines. Let's not forget Hines' involvement, especially with Matt Ryan versus Carson Wentz. And that it's three people versus potentially four or five relevant players. Yeah, it's funny. I was I had asked recently uh, Stephen Holder, who covers the Colts for the Athletic. You know, you know what's what's better? Carson Wentz is is Matt Ryan at thirty seven a big upgrade? And he said, you know, his explanation was that Carson Wentz would never the first read and in terms of just running the offense and like dropping back and hitting that first read and not letting the play break down and trying to make something after it does like that was Carson Wentz and I think that's going to help Michael Pittman a lot because he's a big target and I think you know he can win on on a first break move but like mm-hmm. ha- when the play breaks down, I don't know if Michael Pittman's best suited to improvising. You know, maybe T.L.I. Hilton was better at that back in the day. But like that doesn't to me seem like the Michael Pittman kind of game. So if Matt Ryan can keep things on schedule, I think that's big for Michael uh, for Michael Pittman. But the other thing Holder said is like the goal internally that they've been throwing around for Naheem Hines is 100 targets. And he had that's exactly hmm. right. I was like, he feels like the winner here. Yeah, he had 80 targets last year. It was like a career high of, you know, I think he's top 60 catches twice. I'm like, 80 has been like his high watermark in targets. If he gets to 100, like that suddenly becomes like, like peak James White kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Put a pin in, in Naeem Hines just for a second. Michael Pittman. Right now, early summer, early June, ADP at the wide receiver position uh, makes him the 16th wide receiver off the board. Uh, three guys in front of him, T. Higgins, Deontay Johnson, D.K. Metcalf, yes. three guys after him, Terry McLaurin, D.J. Moore, Amari Cooper. Fair, unfair, you have him higher? That seems you fair. Exactly you could fair. quibble. That's exactly yeah. how I draft them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I totally agree. I think you could, qu- you could maybe might, quibble about one lean? wide receiver here or there, but it seems very Your fair. boy. I was going to say, yeah, depending on who the quarterback is. Or Metcalf because of the quarterback <laughs> yes. situation. No, but because like, Gino loved Tyler Lockett as much as Russ did. Like, I, there, I actually you go just look at had this, those this numbers. Sh- no, DK up, had good uh, numbers. DK, yeah, wait, DK had right. no, no, but the target share. Okay. The target but share. The was actual awesome. yeah. fantasy numbers were good for DK. He had five touchdowns. Metcalf had eighteen targets, and uh, Lockett had twenty-three with Geno. Yeah, but Lockett. At least in the yeah. Geno starts. The catch this doesn't percentage the was game terrible. Russell. Catch percentage was terrible for Lockett. And Lockett Gino. had fourteen catches on twenty-three targets for one eighty-nine. Metcalf mm-hmm. had fourteen eight on eighteen for one ninety-seven and three touchdowns. Yeah, so I mean, it's fourteen yeah. out of eighteen is pretty good for uh, for chemistry. But God, 
whatever. If it's Gino, then you you, t- you can take Pittman over DK. If it's Gino, then that, I'm just I'll wave my hands at that one. That's fine. Uh, so Naeem Hines, though. Luck. I mean, I, I love I, I, I love hearing that from Holder because like. And it's it's a different it's a different staff it's a different everything it's a different everything it's a different era of football I mean we're talking this is seven years ago now what I'm about to reference but I mean we saw Matt Ryan uh, as the quarterback with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman and what a great group they were together and you know J- Jonathan Taylor is better than Devontae Freeman blah 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 and it's a different everything but still like it feels like there's a pe- like it's it's a now or never season. I feel like for Naeem Hines, like either he's gonna become a consistent fantasy guy or he's not. But we're gonna know that this year. Back to Paris Campbell, I feel like he's Lucy holding the football, and I'm Charlie Brown. Like, am I gonna <laughs> fall for it if he doesn't get hurt oh. all the way into you know late August? Am I gonna? It doesn't just- cost anything. I know, so but he he'll start costing something eventually because people say he's fine. It's finally happening, but. At some point, the ball just no. gets pulled away from you, right? I don't think that's going to happen because I think there's going to be a love affair with Alec Pierce, and I'm going to be totally on board yeah. with it. <laughs> I don't think Paris Campbell's going to end up costing anything. Pierce, we talked about this when we were talking about before the draft, and I kind of I wanted the Bears to be in on him with one of those early second round picks that they had. I mean, a, he's a big dude. He's a big body receiver, right? Six foot mm-hmm. three. Feels like he could be a red zone weapon right away. A guy who has that multi-sport background, right? Like came late to football because he was busy dominating basketball and volleyball. Like all of that adds up for me to a really intriguing guy who steps in as a number two receiver. At least we think he should be right away. Like I'm going to be definitely, I don't know if I'll be driving the Alec Pierce bandwagon, but I'll definitely be on board, like passing out uh, refreshments and things like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm already there with you. So the, yeah. Yeah. And it uh, sounds like, you know, you've heard reports that the Colts are basically trying to make it happen. Like, they're not really, like, being coy about the fact that they want him to, you know, take the number two job and run with it. So, um, by the way, for your point, uh, Funston, about the 100 targets. So my initial run through the projections, I had Hines at 11.7% of the target share, which is third on the team. That only gets him 67, but between the 60 rushing attempts and the receiving mm-hmm. yards, and t- that are, that just puts him at RB 37 right there. So if you got 100 targets, pfft, top 30, 25 potentially. Well, James White was, you remember him in his heyday. He was, like I think, back-to-back seasons of top 24. He was literally in Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm just, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm pointing, yeah. And the uh, as a uh, proud Wisconsin Badger, I'm duty bound to point out had a Super Bowl MVP robbed from him because he absolutely should have been the Super Bowl MVP that year. But Tom Brady, <laughs> Michigan man, has to be Super Bowl MVP. It's like written into his contract. That's right. And uh, if, if if his team wins, he's automatically a Super Bowl MVP. Garbage. I was going to say, just well, play so Steph Curry doesn't have an NBA Finals MVP. You guys does he's fine. Does Jonathan Taylor, with 53 targets last year and 40 catches, does if they really legitimately are going to target Naheem Hines 100 times, does that come at the cost of Jonathan Taylor hitting 40 receptions again? Does he become a 30 I catch mean, guy? Hit 100 targets. That's why I don't believe the 100 targets. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think 65 to I mean, 70 is a really nice number. Yeah. I mean, Josh Jacobs was going to get 100 targets like two years ago. Remember that? Yeah. Like, we're getting, we're getting well, Josh Jacobs 60 catches. Jake hit 80 targets well, last do you know, year. Do, do you know how? Yeah, but do you know how many running backs had 100 targets last year? Like zero. Two, one? Two. <laughs> okay. No. 94 and 94, Eckler and Harris. And then next closest was 80. But why can't we project him for If they're talking a big game about it, why can't we project him for what he had last year? The only change there is a, is a quarterback, but like. You know who Heinz still kind yeah, of. If he had eighty last year, he could have eighty this year. Yeah, he had eighty last so, year. So eighty, I'm at sixty-five, and so I mean that's fifteen. That's not well, you go in the game. wrong direction based upon the narrative coming out of. Well, but that's uh, that's. Uh, I mean, I don't mean to just that's speak for your projections, believe- Jake, but that's like the nature of projections. I feel like more than yes. Anything. No, and that's part of it, and that's also you just can't. Uh, you're, you're talking about snap share here too. You're taking Jonathan Taylor off the field, which I just think that doesn't happen as much as people would love to think. Alec Pierce, I, I just have to, I have to, I have to just finish with with this. Alec Pierce, right now, this is going to change. We know this is going to change. He's going to be a helium style of player. But just for the sake of our conversation here, he's wide receiver sixty four by ADP right now. Ahead of him, you find McCole Hardman, Jamison Williams, Devontae Parker, Van Jefferson, Sky Moore. Behind him, Corey Davis, George Pickens, Kendrick Bourne, Tim Patrick. I mean, I'm taking him over all those guys. 
I, I'm taking like nah. DJ Charts just in front of him. I, I really think Maybe it's it's, it's it's roster construction. What are, are, did you kind of take some gambles with your starters? Like for me, I love getting an Alec Pierce in that range over like a Devontae Parker because Devontae Parker is yes, a known quantity. What's his ceiling? <laughs> well, it's uh-huh. it's capped. I think we, we believe with Alec Pierce, you can at least imagine that he's it's the unknown. There's just potential uh-huh. there that. So many other receivers in that area, like they're known quantities, like, you know, Jamison Crowder. Why take a Jamison Crowder? We know who he <laughs> is, you know, like yep. take an Alec Pierce, take somebody we haven't seen who has a real opportunity and, and, and go for this, go for the ceiling with your bench spots. Why not? Why the hell not? That's what they're yeah, I'm looking for. right now. I have Alec Pierce in the conversation with like Kenny Galladay and, and Marvin Jones and Russell mm-hmm. Gage and Jameson Williams as a rookie and Robert Woods that we talked about earlier. So that's the range I have Alec Pierce in. And so I'm I'm a huge Marvin Jones guy. I always have been. Yes, you are. But he's a perfect example of a very known quantity, right? And so like if you're just throwing throwing somebody on your bench, you might as well you know say okay, let's go with let's go with an Alec Pierce, you know, and see w- mm-hmm. what we can get because. But, you know, if you, like I said, if you gamble with your wide receivers, you might want somebody that's maybe a little bit more of a safer play like Marvin Jones. It's, so it kind of just comes down to who your starting receivers are ahead of them. Uh, and with that, let's use Marvin Jones as a segue to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be a good team. I think this is going to be a super uh, fun from a real-life football perspective team. And it could be very fun from a fantasy perspective as well, but it's going to be fun for sure from a real-life football perspective because one year ago at this time, generational talent. That phrase gets thrown around all over the place, but we were getting excited for him in Trevor Lawrence, totally railroaded by just what a train wreck this Jacksonville team was. Urban Meyer, the biggest part of that train wreck, now gone. Doug Peterson in. This is a wildly intriguing head coach quarterback combo, and I am really excited to watch them. I think you can make a great argument for Lawrence as the quarterback you circle back to, the late round guy you target, the QB2 you target uh, with QB1 upside, the QB2 you go after aggressively in super flex leagues, blah, 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 blah. I just think there's a lot of fun to be had with uh, speculating what this team's going to be, Jake, going into the season. Yeah, you know, he's my number one breakout pick for quarterbacks this year. Uh, And, you you know, you said kind of tongue-in-cheek it with the generational talent, but let's be real about him. He was the best prospect on paper since Andrew Luck. Like that was a yes. lot, that was something people were throwing around Peyton Manning, but people forgot about Andrew Luck. But th- like on paper, he was. And there was jokes we made on this show, and I remember saying this on this show that if he bombs in the NFL, cancel prospect evaluation for everybody <laughs> who does it, and myself included. <laughs> there's this it's we were all there's no way we're all wrong. And I think that you mentioned a big part of this. Urban Meyer was part of the problem. We know that uh, Urban Meyer. I don't know what he was doing at this point of his career. But you also look at his team makeup from last year. Marvin Jones, as Funston just referenced, is your number one. LaVisca Chenault didn't take a step forward and is now even a question to be on this team this year. You had Laquan Treadwell and Jamal Agnew as your top relevant receiving options, which shouldn't be more than threes and fours and maybe even fives on some teams. So, yes, they vastly overpay for Christian Kirk. They bring in Evan Ingram. But now you look at they're constructing an offense that's more talented than it was last year. You have ETN, who was a non-factor because he was hurt before the season even started, who was a dynamic talent, including his receiving ability. James Robinson is reportedly ahead of schedule, but even just throw him out the window. Let's say he's just done for his career. You still have ETN, Kirk, LaVisca's down the depth chart. Treadwell's down the depth chart because Marvin Jones is A. Jones are your twos and Evan Ingram. So now you have an offense, and the biggest thing that I like from uh, Trevor Lawrence is he made small strides passing towards the end of the year. But the thing I liked is to see that he started to run more Instead of being last case scenario, he started taking some opportunities like he did at Clemson. And that Clemson threat of Trevor Lawrence on the run is similar to Daniel Jones. I don't want to bring Daniel Jones to the conversation because Trevor Lawrence, the passer, is worlds better than Daniel Jones if he hits his peak and he hits his value that we saw. But as a runner, they're similar. And the mm-hmm. fact that they could run for four or 500 yards in the season and you bring in that threat of Lawrence and it just makes defenses more honest, let alone with all these weapons. So I think that you say Lawrence under Doug Peterson's tutelage and this yeah. offense eclipsing 4,000 passing yards by quite a bit, eclipsing 25 touchdowns, getting close to 30 are all withheld in the realm of his ability. And then you throw in 300, 400 rushing yards. Trevor Lawrence is all of a sudden just by those numbers in the top eight. 
yeah, I, I you just touched on pretty much everything, Jake. I mean, I, but I just mm-hmm. would circle back to I just don't think we can overstate how toxic and bad of an environment and, you know, to have your first NFL season be under that regime with Urban Meyer. And you remember yeah. Peyton Manning was a stud in college and came into the league and he was like a one for one touchdown to interception ratio guy who had like what, like mid mid 20 interceptions yeah, right. and that was in yeah, that that was, like was in 20. a decent environment you know it's it's hard enough for a rookie to come in and, and do that but but to have all that ancillary stuff going on with urban meyer and like to get no love and the offensive line was abominable and yeah. you know and we saw it in preseason trevor lawrence could barely get a a a quick slant off you know it was like so he had to get rid of the ball so fast he was getting blown up mm-hmm. and, and it just you know with everything that was going on i i'm gonna give him a complete mulligan on his rookie yep. season and gotta you know, give them a good, ton of credit. Go ahead, Jake. I was gonna say real quick. That's a I included that in the article too. That's an underrated part that some people might have overlooked is that they improved the offensive line in two yep. places. Yep. Uh, they yep. drafted a center, and I'm not saying I know anything about it. yes, uh, but they also replaced Norwell, who was graded awfully last year with one of the better, assuming that Sheriff is 100. percent Right, right. But you bring him in from from Washington, and and that's that's exactly where I was going to. Like they did, given what was available. To them in you know, free agency trade draft, they did as good a job as a team could do. I feel like in one off season of patching up the holes that were very mm-hmm. obviously around Trevor Lawrence. Well, it, yeah, season. and, and, and uh, Travis Etienne's a huge part of this. I mean, a huge part. Kid. I mean, that was yeah, first round pick for this team last year. They very clearly had huge ideas of Lawrence and Etienne, you know, coming over from Clemson together and then being there uh, together and him being a big part of that offense. And he gets the injury in the preseason and we never see him. Yeah, you and, can, and so this is like, this is a totally different group, I think, this season. Yeah, I mean, Etienne, I think he could have used him as a safety net option in the passing yeah, game. that would have been nice. And, you know, you look at LaVisca <laughs> Chenault, Marvin Jones, whatever you thought about him going in, they're slow. I mean, they're not that fast yes. anymore. LaVisca Chenault mm-hmm. is especially slow. We've always kind of wanted to – for a long time, I was thinking about him like in a Debo sense, like this utility knife, just like fast guy, but he's really not fast. I mean, Jake said it. He might not make the team. I think he's, you know, and you hear the beat writers say it too. He just is not that explosive. He looked explosive in college, but he's really not that explosive out there. So uh, to bring in Christian Kirk, to bring in Evan Ingram, get some speed mm-hmm. and you get ETN back. It's a huge upgrade in skill position speed across the board. All right, so this team is also super intriguing for fantasy reasons because of you know, what we've just been talking about with Trevor Lawrence. And then, I mean, how how jumbled is the rest of this team? You've got a recovering James Robinson who has proven what he can be as a you know run first and mostly run, but a couple of years ago he was totally fine for them catching the ball. So a very effective running back. We know Travis Etienne is a special breed of player, a special type of player, crucial to teams when they have a guy like this in the modern NFL, and he's going to have a monster role. You've got Christian Kirk, you've got Zay Jones, you've got Marvin Jones, you've got Evan Ingram. You still have Dan Arnold on this team, who, you know, probably not going to have much of a fantasy role, but still a nice little backfill for them at tight end and a nice secondary guy for them to have should something happen to Evan Ingram, which, you know, not outside the realm of possibility given his career. I mean, this is just a jumbled group and it's it it becomes hard I feel like to this is like the classic uh Jake take the take the cake and not the icing team because other than ETN right other I mean ETN's the one guy who I feel confident like they're gonna do what they can to get the ball in his hands 150 times and I guess James Robinson could fall into that by virtue of what his role is but other than that it's 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 gonna be a mixed bag week to week yeah a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I wrote down er, Travis Etienne's in the breakout running backs, by the way. Yeah. And I likened him to Miles Sanders rookie season and mm-hmm. that, you know, that we're not talking 300 touches and, but we are talking about somebody who's going to push 200, 250, uh, including this passing game work, obviously. So you get a hundred and rookie year. I'm not sure, but uh, 80 catches. Uh, we know that because he had. I know, I knew that, <laughs> but I meant the I was the rushing side of because I was going to say 170 to 180 rush attempts with 50, 60, maybe even 70 receptions for uh-huh. ETN, and there you go, there you get 250 touches. So I think that ETN's in there, but I agree with the other side of it is when I'm looking at value. I love ETN. I think uh, this is fun that you said getting suckered back in, but again, this person doesn't cost anything right now. Getting suckered back into Evan Ingram because of tight mm-hmm. end, you know why not? Again, free and go back to his rookie season. If he replicates his rookie season, he's a top 10 tight end. And that wasn't even that high of a bar. Granted, everybody was hurt on that team at that time. But all that being said, 
is what it comes down to is I'm going to ask you guys the same question I asked Chris Meany when I was doing a show with him. Do you think anyone on this team eclipses 1,000 receiving yards? <laughs> because I say even if Lawrence nope. throws for 4,200, I don't think anybody gets over 900. Yeah, Kirk. So the thing about Kirk is like they clearly – went after him with intention, you know, and give and having him basically reset the wide receiver uh market, you know, with the twenty million dollars. I, I would it wasn't just like here's a guy, we you know, we need somebody. Let's go after him. Yeah. It's like we have an idea for him, you know, but even with that said, we had nine hundred yards last year. I wouldn't necessarily and he had like a hundred and three or some targets or something like that. But I wouldn't necessarily think that there's much more uh, for him to get here. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. So I, I think I would bet on all of them being under a thousand yards, but it might be a mm-hmm. bunch of guys in the, like you said, in that 600 to 900 range. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like they could all, they could all live in there. Yeah. Right. And they, they're all chipping in to get Lawrence to, to 4,200. Uh, that definitely could work. Alvin Kamara, his rookie year for what it's worth, 120 carries and 100 targets. I was going to say, I didn't think he'd get to 150 carries. By the way, yeah. I'm just out on James Robinson. I hate to say it, but I'm out on Achilles injuries for running backs. Like Cam Akers came yeah. back, and other than like a couple catches where he showed straight line burst, like he just wasn't the same running back. Until I see somebody fully recover. I mean, some tough matchups, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think was, all sports he came back way too Yeah, Akers, <laughs> that happened in July, right? I mean, we were we were drafting Akers in early drafts last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So we're talking, what, July to January? It was five and a half months. Five and a half yeah, months? Yeah, it was like a fish. It was, and when did, remind me when Robinson's happened? Uh, it was late in the season, wasn't it? It was pretty late. Yeah. I remember that. So we'll just, yeah, let's call and it December. For so everybody out there, it's going to be nine months. On the Trevor Lawrence thing, to go back to what you were talking about, um, I was forgetting the exact year, but I knew, I knew there was a year that for Tom Brady. And no, I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is Tom Brady. but oh, he, just like, <laughs> he just said it. He just said it. Trevor Lawrence 40, is Tom Brady. For the 4,200 passing yards, but nobody eclipses 1,000. So Tom Brady in 2015 threw 4,770. Gronk was the only one that topped 1,000 at 1,170. The next closest was 692. For the rest oh of the team, God. just to get, just to give you an idea so that, and that totally was for forty-seven seventy. It's totally yes. possible. Yeah, it was Edelman, Amendola six forty-eight, LaFell five fifteen, White four ten, and it just goes down from there. Oh my God, Brandon LaFell. Haven't thought about that name in quite a while. <laughs> Thirty-six hundred yards. <laughs> to and nobody had over seven hundred. Nobody even that had seven hundred. That is ridiculous. Um, yeah, James Robinson, December twenty sixth. It was week, uh, yeah. week 15 that he had. That so he's more of a realistic timeline, but I'm with you, Funston. I think yeah. if ETN, to go back to it, if I think ETN is 100%, even if James Robinson's 100%, I think we're now looking at Doug Peterson tight backfield, which for everybody that played the narrative back then remembers when Miles Sanders rookie season, he doesn't go away from a bell cow. He's kind of a lead guy where it's not, he's not getting 80% of the workload, but it's not 50, 40, and 30, and like what, and obviously guys being on the field at the same time. But what I'm saying is he'll use somebody 60% of the time. So ETN 60%, but that, you know, now James Robinson's kind of the five to 10 touches per game max. Yeah. And it seems to me like if you just look at Cam Akers, it would behoove them to slow play him if if ETN is looking good. Yes. It's like, don't do the Cam Akers five and a half months. Well, thing. they also drafted what Doug Peterson loves. They drafted themselves a Boston Scott slash, you know, the Kenny Gainwell and Snoop Connor, that little pass catching dude that he loves to have on all his teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to be a fun team. Going to be a really fun team, real life and fantasy. Probably not going to the playoffs, but... Man, I I feel like you could playoffs. craft a you could craft a playoff argument right, for them in the today. NFC, not in the AFC. <laughs> AFC just is going to be outrageous this year. But uh, there's a few teams I feel like that about in the AFC that if they could just trade for one year with the Bears or something, yeah. maybe could uh, scratch out a nine and eight playoff berth in the NFC. But probably not going to happen for them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
I also feel very comfortable saying it's not going to happen for the Houston Texans, the last team we're going to talk about here today. <laughs> and that's the, the show. Team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the show. Davis Mills is Davis Mills is the quarterback. We'll see you later. Um, Davis Mills did show us, guys, like at, at the very least, Davis Mills is good enough to keep Brandon Cooks doing Brandon Cooks things. And, uh, you know, I mean, John Mechie's here. Maybe he could be fun. Right? Like yes. I, I, Davis Mills is good enough to make those guys – Totally fantasy relevant. I mean, Cook's a for sure starter in Mechie. Maybe he plays his way in there. I mean, you're on, you, you, it sounds like you like that, Jake. Uh, I think John Mechie is the most underrated rookie, if you can have underrated rookies, because went to a team that everybody's just writing off for relevancy. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about one of the surest pass-catching options that was in this draft. And there was the role here. You need somebody across from Brandon Cooks. And as much as Nico Collins could potentially be that downfield uh, you go back to the Mike Wallace days of what Nico Collins could be, but that's not what you really want. You want him as the third, op- like the Demarcus Robinsons of the world. Like you want that, like he's the third option. The number two option needs to be that more reliable, something that's been missing from this team. You go back to when they were messing around with Kiki QT and all those kind of over the slot middle type of guys. Mechie, you throw him a hundred passes, should catch eighty. That's what I'm looking at from Mechie. So I think he's mm-hmm. underrated. And if we think that Davis Mills is a respectable NFL quarterback, which everybody was saying is the best rookie quarterback that played last year, I, I, 100 targets, again, 80 receptions. 70 would be my floor for Mechie. So I think Mechie is very intriguing. Brandon Cooks will be Brandon Cooks. That, that's what it really comes down to. But sneak preview for everybody Uh-oh. that's listening to the show before Ba-ba-ba-ba. it came out. Breakout tight ends. I love some Brevin Jordan. Ah, that's enough. I think there's just so much being overlooked here. Brevin Jordan, like rookie tight end who fell into a bad situation. We know rookie tight ends rarely produce, but now there is a giant, vast opening at tight end. And Brevin Jordan also showed out a little bit down the stretch last year. You're talking about somebody who is a pass catching first tight end in that Evan Ingram mold. And Brevin Jordan, you want to talk about the one that goes tight ends every single year. There's always at least one, if not two or three, that goes from, oh, my God, nobody was talking about him. I'm talking about him as Brevin (laughs) Jordan being a potential tight end one this year. From that standpoint, are you ruining it by talking about him? Like a dialectical standpoint. No, nobody listens to me that that much. Because now he's being talked about. (laughs) I don't have that kind of – you're not going to see me move ADP, so we're okay. (laughs) Yeah, Davis Mills, back to Davis Mills, he's good enough, I think, to make a Seattle fan jealous. Uh, like, it, it's not the worst, situ- you know. What about the Carolina fans? I'll just look at his yeah. numbers. 11 to 3 TD to interception ratio, final final eight games of the year, three 300-yard games in that mix. I mean, he completed 67% of his passes. There's a lot there that you have to. They beat the Chargers. That, yeah. that game, that, like, strange game, they beat the Chargers somehow. Yeah, somehow. You add some, <laughs> you add a match, you add, you know, you got Brevin Jordan, as, as Jake's been talking but if he becomes a thing, like they're going to have plenty of games where they're going to be throwing the ball. So yeah. um, beat the Titans in a game that the Titans were still playing for something and yeah. played it, played it true. I mean, it was, the, it was oh week 18, but they played it true all the way down to the wire. Yeah. So what is he like you, a, a third, a third super flex option on a team? Like yeah, oh, it'd be sure. a lot. Well, everyone's an option in super flex. It would be a luxury item though. If he was your <laughs> number three, true. even as your number two, it's probably if you're spending elsewhere, it's not. Oh, no way. As your number. I'm not going into a super flex season with Davis Mills as my QB. Someone might have to. People do well, that. Someone, someone, who's, someone, yeah. someone who's uh, who, someone who ha- who does a poor job of drafting their quarterback. I mean, for sure. to say to say <laughs> I got Davis Mills as my number three, and I got two top twenty quarterbacks. I mean, that's first world. Like if everything goes right, sometimes you know you get kind of backed into tough situations. So, yeah, I mean, if you don't properly value the quarterback situation, <laughs> position, you get back in those situations. Speaking of not, I mean, I guess maybe you could say this is properly valuing, but like, how hilarious this is backfield. Like if, <laughs> if you haven't taken a look at Houston's backfield, just go pull up our lads. It's a great website for NFL depth charts. This is O U R L A D S, and just click on Houston. Just take a look at the backfield because I mean it is whew, Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, Damian Pierce. Hey, maybe something interesting there. Daria Gunbawale, Royce Freeman. I mean, this is like uh, the like the the uh, island of misfit toys. And just all these these cast off guys plus a fourth round. Uh, and, rookie. You know what's going like, to happen? Is... Watch Rex Burkett be healthy and be the most valuable <laughs> one all year long. <laughs> and here's another Achilles actually, injury that I can't get over. Me. It's like Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett's hand size. I just I can't get over it. It's yeah. too big of a hurdle for me <laughs> to. And so I can't take Marlon Mack seriously as their 
full season lead guy. And that's why I'll take Damian Pierce, like, you know, in the first half of the thirties at the RB position and just trust yeah, my logic. I'm with you. Trust logic that like the young, fresh legs, the guy that hasn't, you know, dealing with an Achilles injury or had a whole bunch of mileage and they were bit players, even when they were at their best, you know, like I can't buy on any of those other guys. I will be willing to just, you know, go after the shiny new toy in this instance, because everything well, else is a junkyard she, around. Who him. was the one? Mm-hmm. Funston, it was last week, sure, the week before. It was the one that you were playing. You were saying that the fantasy world was rose-colored glasses, like overrating what actually happened with that player. I think it was somebody filling in for somebody. But anyway, while you're trying to think of that, that's why I feel like Marlon Mack. I've never been that high on Marlon Mack as a player. I think he's what the NFL is. You can find 800 Marlon Macks. And in Mm -hmm. the NFL, when you replace a player with a Marlon Mack, Houston's got five of them. (laughs) Yeah, you can you you can be productive with touches. It's not like Marlon Mack is terrible. He should be yeah. on a roster yeah. if healthy. Yeah, sure. But I don't think if Damian Pierce, who when we did the rookie show, you know, I called discount Derrick Henry, which was discount mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker in the draft, mm-hmm. is I think he could easily be the lead. But I do think if Mack is healthy and Pierce is ready and Rex Burkhead is healthy, that this is a full-blown committee, and it's in one of the worst offenses in the league. <laughs> like, no one is no one is emerging from this backfield. I right. love that they have Andy Janovich, too. <laughs> there's, some, there's something awesome about this team having a pure, true fullback. That That's still, the, how still a New England DNA anymore, like there, right? His, Houston's yeah. got yeah, plenty oh, of sure. New England DNA in their <laughs> system. <laughs> oh, my God. It's hilarious. All right. Sorry, I can get some passes here. Oh, look at I mean, the no, none of these. Look at you, Jay, the... Jay, banging the Wisconsin drum again. You know what's funny? Is we completely glossed over Jonathan Taylor with the Indianapolis Colts. We didn't spend hardly a minute talking well, about him. But what are you what are you gonna say? He's the best running back in the NFL. He's the number one pick in fantasy drafts as he's Sidebar, do you guys know how how old Agumawale is? Dari Agumbawale, I could probably ballpark it. His last year with the Badgers was 2019. So mm-hmm. I'm going to guess he was – the only reason you asked that is because he was a little old at the end of oh. college. So I'll <laughs> say 26. Eight. Wow, 28. <laughs> Nobody, it's, yeah, it's one of the ones I love bringing up. It's like it's like how young yeah. Allen Robinson right. is. It's uh-huh. like – well, that, that, we can't really say that you as much. You guys know who Bryce Harper to. is still younger than? Still younger than and that's just a joke. That was one that was a long one for a oh. long time. Oh, I thought, yeah, everyone, I thought you were seriously asking. I was everyone be like, on this show, Bryce Harper is younger. Yes, than. Was, well, of course. <laughs> Aren't all the the professional athletes uh, younger than all of us? Albert Pujols. Um, Albert Pujols. Yeah, there we go. That's a Pujol. Give me some. Give me some Pujols. Give me some Brady. Like I will have Tom Brady can be in the NFL as long as he wants. As far as I'm concerned, because then still one of the is best Tom? athletes on planet Earth is a professional is older than me. You Never know? mind. I'm not going to ask go. the question. Sorry, Funston. I was I was going to single you out. I was going to say, is Brady older than all of us? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he is. He's, he is not. He's most certainly not. He's decidedly not older than all of us. <laughs> um, all right. I think that's it, guys. I think we did a good job with the AFC South. I think we can call the show. Anyone else want to want to jump in here? No. 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 Yeah. Good meet on the bones for the AFC right. South. Yeah, good job. Good job, Jake. Good job, Funston. Good job, listeners, sticking with us for all this talk. We're done. That's it. That's the end of this episode. That's the end of the AFC South preview. Thank you so much for listening. For Jake and Funston, I'm Michael Beller. We'll be back here with another division one week from now. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. See you.